Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Well, you might be hearing the sounds of polka music as I speak to you in the background here, and you might be smelling the great fragrances of pierogies and other such delectable delights because we have the third and final day of our Prairie Fest today, and it is a day dedicated all to polka music and polka dancing and that kind of food. In addition to our great areas for children to play, our raffles, our prairie tours, our church tours. So you st there's still time to get in on it. We go till five o'clock today at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church right here in Homer Glen. Come and see our prairie, dance a polka, enjoy the music, the food, and the company. Hope to see you there today. But today is also one of the days in which we are between two great feast days in the liturgical calendar of the Byzantine Church. One of those is the Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord. That's where he's transfigured on Mount Tabor. Then also, we're looking forward to the Feast of the Dormition, as we say in the Byzantine Church. In the Latin Rite Church, they'd say the Assumption of the Virgin Mary. Now, in between, there is a preparatory period. And during that preparatory period, as always in our church, we have a period of fasting, a period of penance, although it's kind of difficult to do that when you're listening to polka music and watching polka dancing and eating that great food. And also, after we had a great feast of the transfiguration of our Lord on Mount Tabor, so it's a little bit hard to think in terms of penance, but that is the appropriate way that we prepare in the Eastern churches for any great feast. That's actually the way in the Latin Rite Church as well. However, in the Eastern churches, it's a particularly strong point. We prepare for any great feast by cleaning house, by fasting, and by prayer, increased prayer. And of course, that all results in increased charity. In other words, our holiness. We practice ascetical things, and also especially we go to confession. We practice ascetical things so that we can be more purified, more open to enter into the very pure and holy feast day that is coming up. And in this case, it's the Feast of Our Lady's Assumption, or as we say in the Eastern churches, her Dormition. And it's very appropriate to be able to purify ourselves, especially for this feast, because any feast of the Virgin Mary, 
emphasis there, Virgin Mary, does have to do with her purity, even in the icons. If you've ever seen a Byzantine icon, the color of Our Lady's mantle, in other words, her outer robe, is actually a deep earth color red. And this signifies her humanity, which Jesus Christ got from her. Jesus Christ, of course, was God and man. So his human nature, he got from the Virgin Mary. So she wears the red. And that also symbolizes her purity. So it has multiple meanings, as all colors and iconography do. So it would certainly seem appropriate that to work up to a feast of the Virgin Mary, the mother of God, with all her purity and her magnificence, it would seem appropriate to work up to that by ourselves becoming purified. The best way to become purified is by prayer and fasting. Now, the fasting basically is no meat or dairy products for two weeks, from August 1st to August 14th. So we've only got a couple more days of that. And we've also got an increased prayer, as I mentioned, and we have a particular prayer service that leads up to the Dormition. In the Byzantine Church, this is called the Prayer of the Paraclesis, or in other words, it's translated, that's a Greek word, it's translated Office of Consolation. And what we do in this service, it's basically a matin service. Matins is the morning prayer of the church. In the Eastern churches, matins is usually very elaborate. It's actually one of the longer services of our church. But we tend to do this particular paraclis service in the evenings because that's when most people can come. But it's technically designed as a matin service, and it involves a gospel reading and, as always, dogmatic hymns. And what we're doing is we're pulling analogies and metaphors out of the scriptures that pertain to the Virgin Mary, like the Ark of the Covenant, the burning bush. And we're addressing her that way. We're also addressing her as a mother, as though we were children in trouble. And we call out to her during the service. And we have a repeated refrain, which is, O most holy Theotokos, save us. Now, we say that after the cantor, priest, or deacon pronounces the individual verses. And then we respond with that refrain. Now, this prayer service can be led by a cantor or by a deacon, most fully, it's led by a priest because there are certain prayers for the priest, but very few. You see, the divine office of the church, East and West, was actually designed to be prayed by anyone. It's just that there are some aspects that pertain to the priest involvement in these services, but those can actually be subordinated to the overall service if, for instance, you don't have a priest. In other words, the service can still go on. The laity or deacons or subdeacons, anyone can actually come and pray these services. They just will not do the parts that are relegated to the priest, which only a few in most of these services. And this is because the church always prayed, and not just priests or monks, but the church, the believers from the time of the Old Testament through to the New Testament, through to our very day, the church prayed, everybody. And they prayed specifically in the morning and in the evening. This is called the matin service in the morning and the vespers in the evening. In between, they began to add more prayers at different hours during the day. In fact, they're called the hours. Now, the monks tended to do this. They expanded the divine office. So they would gather for a more brief service at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. Then they added even more, which would be the Compline services or the services throughout the night. So eventually what happened in the tradition of the church, especially in the Eastern monasteries, and you actually have monasteries dedicated to this. There was actually a name for them, which meant non-sleeping. They would actually pray 24-7. That's right, unceasing prayer. How would they do that? Well, they would do it in shifts. As some slept, 
others would pray. And there are prayers that actually would take up the entire day, 24-7. If you, if you did all the prayer services and all the prayers of the divine office in their entirety, you would end up praying constantly, 24-7. And the scripture calls us to pray unceasingly. There's many different ways to do that, but the formal ways were developed eventually by the great monastics, especially in the East. But the main prayers were the morning prayer and the evening prayer. Now, these prayers can be done individually, or they can be done in an liturgical form, an liturgical format. They can be prayed and led, as I mentioned, by a leader of the community, such as a deacon or subdeacon or a priest, or just the laity. The most elaborate ones are the matins, and the second to that would be the Vesper service. The high point, of course, is the liturgy. Now, liturgy may not be celebrated every day, not even in some monasteries, because there just isn't time enough once you get through the divine office, because when they do the liturgy in monasteries, they're very serious about it. It can take even like two hours or so to do a daily liturgy in Byzantine monasteries. So they tend to do it in some Byzantine monasteries just on certain days during the week. The rest of the time, it's the divine office. And that would make sense because monasticism really was a lay movement. So the lady could not do Eucharist. They couldn't celebrate the liturgy. So the bulk of monastic prayer is the divine office. The liturgy is always, of course, the high point, but the bulk of it is going to be the divine office because it started out as a lay movement, and that's what the monks basically do throughout each day, especially in Eastern monasteries. So getting back to the Sparaka service, it is then part of the divine office, but said at certain times. It can be said any time, but it's very traditional to say this office, to pray this matin service prior to the feast of the Dormition. It's a way of leading up to it. Because it's a way of appropriately cleansing ourselves, because it's really an office of consolation. But in that office, we admit to ourselves that we are disturbed, our passions are fallen, and they need the assistance, divine assistance. They need the assistance, the intercession of the Mother of God, she who was so in control of her passions, being the Virgin Mother being conceived without sin and so on. She's the very example, the very source of purity, of passions that are integrated and balanced. And so we turn to her. In fact, we say during the service things like, many temptations have surrounded me, O virgin. To you I come for shelter and salvation. O Theotokos, deliver me from all trouble and affliction. The assaults of my passions disturb me. They fill my soul with great discouragement. O maiden, preserve from all stain. Restore the balance of my soul to the peace of your Son and your God. And then we answer, O most holy Mother of God, save us. We're going to talk more about prayer to the Virgin Mary when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card with your help. We can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Here we are sitting in the middle of the prairie at Annunciation Parish in beautiful Homer Glen, Illinois. And with me is Father Tom Loya. Father Tom, 
Please tell us about Prairie Fest. This is the 11th anniversary of Prairie Fest, which is a festival for the entire family where you'll enjoy music, a grand cash raffle with $15,000 in total prizes, a beer tent, animal shows, juggling, wine art, and more. Prairie Fest kicks off Friday, August 10th at 5 p.m. with music by Echo and Ransom. Next at 7.30, enjoy longtime Chicagoland favorites M&R Rush. Saturday, August 11th, is Family Day, starting at noon with kids' games, animal shows, juggling, and much, much more. The music kicks off with Common Allies at 4.30. Next, at 7.30, enjoy the Hat Guys. Sunday, August 12th, is Polka Day. Starting at 11 a.m., prepare to polka with the Polka Generations Band. While you're enjoying all of this music, food, and fun, take a guided tour of this beautiful prairie and experience the church's breathtaking interior during the Annunciation Parish Church Tours. Only a $5 cover for those 14 and up. $3 cover for those 3 through 13. $5 for on-premises parking each day or free shuttle from the remote lot. For early registration discount for the Wine Art Studio and event schedule, visit ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Prairie Fest, Friday through Sunday, August 10th through the 12th at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Noyer, your host. And again, I appeal to you as you're listening, if you're listening in your car, I'll take a little detour, unless you're on route to my church anyway, and enjoy our polka day at our Prairie Fest today. It goes till five o'clock. Lots of good food, music, a lot of fun. But we are talking about the preparation period leading up to what the Latin Rite would call the Feast of the Assumption of the Virgin Mary. For the Byzantine Church, it's called the Dormition. Now, that word Dormition... You might recognize it. Think of dormitory or dormant. What does that mean? It refers to sleeping. And that's why we call her event, this event of her passing into heaven, body and soul, as a dormition. We actually call it or translate it as a falling asleep. And that's a very powerful phrase because as does this whole feast, it takes us back to the origins, our origins, how things were meant to be by God, and eventually how they will be in the end, but how they were meant to be would have been more like a falling asleep. The church believes that God intended us to pass on into the next life, yes, 
but fully intact, body and soul together, integrated, not separated, not corrupted, not decaying, not dead, but moving in some glorious way as though it were asleep into the next life. This is what happened to the mother of God. Why? Because she was without sin. That's how we would pass into eternal life if we were without sin, but we all inherit the effects of original sin from Adam and Eve. And they had to die, as we know death. They were the first to die, as we know death, this separation of body and soul. They have been redeemed by Christ, of course, but they would have passed into eternal life in the way the Virgin Mary did. And this is what makes this feast significant, why we call it a falling asleep. In fact, oftentimes in iconography for the Virgin Mary's assumption or her dormition, and also Christ on the cross, You'll actually see, if you look closely at the eyes that are painted on the icon, the eyes of both of them are just slightly opened as though they were not fully dead, but asleep. Yes, Christ did die. He had to die fully in order to break death. The Virgin Mary died, but not in the way that we think of death. She died as more of a passing into the next life, body and soul together. And so our time now of fasting, which goes on just a couple more days, you still have a chance to get in on the fasting, on the fasting and the increased prayer. Now, by fasting, we mean giving up meat and dairy products for these days. Now, you can tailor that as well, but that's the traditional fast. And also increased repentance, which means we go to church more, we pray more, and we go to confession. And one of the things that we pray in the Eastern Church during this time is this wonderful prayer of consolation, the paraclesis service. A few more verses from that, you can start to get more and more the flavor. It says during this service that, O Virgin Theotokos, I choose you to be my protection and the shelter of my life. Direct me towards your haven, for you are the channel of all good things and the support of the faithful. You alone are worthy of every praise. And then we sing this, O fervent intercessor and unassailable rampart, a fountain of mercy and refuge of the world. We eagerly cry out to you, O Lady Theotokos, hurry and deliver us from tribulations, for you alone are a swift intercessor. And again, we respond with, O Holy Mother of God, or Holy Theotokos, save us or pray for us. And this is a refrain that goes back and forth through these different verses. And these verses are grouped largely around nine odes, in other words, nine sections. And this is very typical of the Matins service. The Matins service, the bulk of it is called odes. And on Sunday, these odes are based upon the nine odes that are taken from the Old Testament, such as the Magnificat. The Magnificat that the Virgin Mary says after the Holy Spirit had come to her and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth to tell her about the good news that she will bear the Messiah within her very womb. And she cries out, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. These are lines from different odes in the Old Testament that the Virgin Mary would have known being a young Jewish maiden. Some of them are said by Moses and Habakkuk and even Zechariah. These are things which the Virgin Mary would have known, and so she composed them together into her great proclamation, which we know today as the Magnificat. And these nine odes are the basis of the resurrection matins, the Sunday matins in the Byzantine church. But these odes also, the same format, the nine odes, can also be replaced with verses that have to do with the feast day or the appropriate season of the year. In this case, it's crying out to the Virgin Mary for her help as we move towards and 
and try to purify ourselves for the feast of her dormition, her passing into the next life. In the Eastern churches, I'm often asked what our devotions are regarding the Virgin Mary. Like, do we have the rosary? Do we have May crowning and so on? We don't have May crowning. We don't have the rosary per se as part of our divine office. However, it is very popular among many Eastern Catholics, and it's obviously a very good thing to have as part of our own prayer life. But it per se would not be part of the Byzantine divine office. But when I say this, that we have this or don't have that, and vice versa, the Latin rite has something we don't have and vice versa, what we're doing here is we're not saying that something is missing. We're saying that these are different expressions that basically arriving at the same thing. To have a May crowning service, to crown Mary, a service that acknowledges her as queen of heaven, is very similar to an Eastern expression of the Virgin Mary being Queen of Heaven that we find in some of the dogmatic hymns in other services in the Eastern churches. So, as always, I always try to emphasize this on this program as part of our vision, our charism, our mission here at Light of the East, and that is that East and West, the two lungs, ultimately arrive at the same point, but they often get there by different ways, different complementary ways, which help to complete each other. Neither way is better, they're just different or complementary, not radically different, just complementary, but they arrive at the same point. So we have, though, in the Eastern churches, different services, which again, can be prayed individually as a private service, but everything is designed in the Eastern churches in a liturgical way. It's designed to be prayed publicly, but these services can also be prayed privately. Now, this is not the case with the Eucharistic liturgy, of course, but with the divine office Any of the divine office prayers and services can be prayed individually, but they're designed ultimately to be prayed as a community. So we have what's called the Akathis service, and then we have also this Paraka service. I want to give you an example of a great, great model for prayer that is contained in this Paraka service, this office of consolation that we pray in the Byzantine church prior to the assumption or the dormition of the mother of God. The reason why I want to share this with you is because not only is it very typical of Byzantine prayer, but it's very typical of the model for prayer. Many times people don't know how to pray, or they they claim that they're praying well, they don't really know how to pray. Well, there is basically a formula. There's many kinds of prayer, but there is a basic formula. And see if you can pick it up in this prayer. It's a lengthy prayer, but a deep and beautiful one, and a one that gives us a good model. And again, this is prayed by the priest during the Paraka service. O chaste and spotless lady, never touched by blame or corruption or defilement, O bride of the Most High himself, you brought forth the word of God into this world into a marvelous and mysterious way, thus uniting him to us and joining our nature to the divine. You are the only hope of those who have no hope, always ready to come to the aid of every Christian who seeks refuge in you. Though I have often defiled myself with all sorts of impurities, thoughts, words, and deeds, though slothfulness has enslaved me to lust, though I often find myself weighed down by despair and depression, do not despise me. As a mother of God, your heart is filled with love and compassion for all mankind, therefore pity me. In spite of my sinfulness, accept this prayer from these impure lips of mine. With boldness that only a mother could manifest, implore your Son, our Lord and God, to show me his deep and tender mercy. Entreat him not to regard the numberless times I have fallen, but to lead me to true repentance, that, as his friend and follower, I may be always conscious of his precepts and ever ready to observe them. And you, sweet lady, in your graciousness, stay with me. 
take my part at all times. Enable me to repel all temptations to achieve my eternal salvation. At the moment of my death, embrace and comfort my sorry soul and drive off the terrifying specters of the evil one on that awesome day of judgment. Save me from everlasting punishment. Reveal me as a true heir of that ineffable glory which your Son has promised in his grace and love. To him, to his eternal Father, to his all-holy, good, and life-giving spirit is due all glory, honor, and worship now and ever and forever. Amen. A lengthy but meaningful, heartfelt, sincere, beautiful prayer. And again, as I mentioned, it's a model for prayer. And maybe you picked up, kind of discern that structure. That structure, that model basically is, we start out by offering the person we're praying to, God, the Virgin Mary, what is good about them, what is true about them, giving them praise and glory. And then we share with them our unworthiness. Then we ask them, for our intentions, to intercede for us, to bless our intentions. We thank them, and then we end the way we began with what's called a doxology, where we give them glory, just as we began. It's a handy little formula for prayer, and this is a wonderful model of that in the service of consolation, the Paracas service. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. WTN communicating the faith. You know, you get paid in heaven for the ministry that you do on here. I love your show. My life has completely changed through God's power and through His revelation. I've changed my stuff in my life. All my first fruit 